Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Defeat selfishness and live as we. The Bible simply says this, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? Well, the answer to that is, of course, no. So when you look at your marriage, it reminds me very much, I could say it like this with the duct tape. How many remember the old race that you, in a potato sack, you put one leg in and you're supposed to put the other leg in and you'd kind of run together like that. Well, that's what God wants to do in your marriage. Notice what it says. You defeat selfishness and you're a team. You just take one leg each and you're doing life together. It's a companionship. Our society wants people to be focused on themselves to the exclusion of nearly everyone else. This isn't a good way to live if we want to have a good social life, but it's devastating if you are trying to have a good married life. Pastor Mark will be teaching from scriptures that speak on the importance of strong marriages and give instruction on how couples can make that happen. Pastor Mark will be sharing on the importance of commitment, emotional and physical intimacy in marriage. He will be reminding us of our need to fight for the quality and survival of our marriages and letting us know who it is that wants our marriages to fail. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part two of his message, Six Keys to a Strong, Healthy Marriage. Let us hear your lessons for living. Pastor Mark, I'm, I'm commanded to love my spouse as Christ loved the church? Exactly. And what did Jesus say to us last week? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? Lots of people call themselves Christians, but they, when it comes to marriage, forget it. I'll do my own thing. No, you can't work it that way. You're going to call yourself a Christian and not do this? Impossible. Impossible. When you begin to look at that, here's our problem. What does love actually mean? What does it really mean to be intimate with my spouse? Uh, Love in the American language is one word. But in the Greek language, four different common words. We're just going to study three of them. So here is a picture of what that looks like. I'll go through it very quickly. And I'm going to save the one on fellowship and relationships and friendship to the end. But it starts with agape. And that's God's love, a selfless love. And the word you'll use there is a commitment, commitment, and it's a spiritual intimacy. It's a spiritual intimacy. You'll see that as we go through. Now, friendship, I'll cover at the end. Passion, you know what that is. That's the word eros. That's our sexuality. And that is a physical love. It's sexual intimacy. Many times when we use the word intimacy, the only time we ever think about it is sexual. But that's not true. Every one of these loves has to have an intimacy part to it. Spiritual or relational or sexual. Now, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19, if you will. 
Here the religious leaders had come to Jesus and they were asking about marriage and why there was divorce and all the rest of that. And Jesus has some great statements to speak to us. Now I'm not talking about a divorce today. That's another whole two-hour teaching at least. But we'll, we'll just kind of delve into this. This is God's love, self-sacrificing love. Watch what it says. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother after you get married. Mom and dad are good. You still love them. You still respect them. But you're the new unit. You can't let mother-in-law problems, father-in-law problems destroy your marriage. You're the new unit. For a reason, man will leave his father and mother and be united. That word united, if you want to write it in your Bible, is called superglue. United. It's a relationship to his wife. And watch what happens. The two will become one flesh. That's a spiritual relationship. Verse 6. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Be united, as I said, means to glue together. It's interesting. It's like my duct tape. God puts us together. Now, I'm not going to do it this morning. I'm not stupid. I put two pieces of duct tape together. If I took one and kind of put it to my lips, many of you would be very happy because the sermon would be over. (laughs) I can't get that sucker off my mouth. So when God joins us together, what does he do? He takes two pieces. These are two pieces, and he puts them together. Anybody ever try to separate that? Is that difficult or is that difficult? Tell me. It's very difficult. And when you separate it, you damage both parts. That's divorce. Oh, it's just like that. No, it is not. Kids, family, hearts. And that's why Jesus said the reason for divorce, you'll see it later, is because man's hearts got hard. Careful. Now, again, if you've been divorced, you just leave it in the past and go forward because there's no perfect people here. But you have to understand, those of you that are young, listen up. Listen up to what I'm teaching as you're getting ready to get married or married again. Now, in our world, there's 5 million advertisements for lawyers. I know we have lawyers here. I'm just, God bless you. It's okay. We all need one from time to time. Amen. (laughs) But marriage is not a, a contract. Marriage is a covenant. You see, a contract limits my responsibilities and protects my rights. I'm going to sign it as I, you know, uh, I, I, I'm going to protect myself. No, marriage is a covenant. It, a covenant, I give up my rights and I assume the responsibilities. You see, in a covenant, it's a committed love. It keeps on loving regardless of what happens. So understand how serious God took that. The two become one. And if you try to break it, it doesn't work. It simply doesn't work. Now, the second kind of love is eros, the one that you and I are familiar with a lot. It's physical love. 
It's sexual love. It's passion. We call it sexual intimacy. I want you to write this down. This is from God. He knows how to do marriage. He knows how to do life. And here's the way God set it up. Sexual intimacy is reserved only for the marriage relationship. As I taught last week, all other sexual acts outside of marriage are sin. Forgivable, but sin. Now, our spirituality and sexuality are intimately intertwined. When God designed a man and a woman in marriage to have sexual intercourse, he did it for three reasons. In one way, it expressed our oneness. There's nothing more intimate than a man and a woman naked, making love with nobody else. That You're out in the open, that's, that's a oneness that God made. It's fantastic. It's far different from a one-night stand. He also made intercourse to obey his commandment, to be fruitful and multiply and make family, fill the earth. And the third one, the church got wrong many, many years ago. We don't have that problem today. But the the third reason for sexual intercourse is because a husband and wife, it becomes their recreation, their pleasure, their fulfillment. It should be amazing. God designed it amazing. That's why we have the word orgasm. It's from a husband and a wife, and they just love making love. It's exciting. It's great. It's God-given. Now, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians, because Paul had to go to a church and say there's a problem in the church with sexuality. 1 Corinthians, you see where it is, about a third of the way through the New Testament. Now, watch how this goes. Every person in a husband and wife relationship, you were designed basically to get married. God designed some people with the gift of celibacy so they'll never get married. Some men never get married. Some women never get married. God just blesses them with that. But for the majority of people, God has made us sexual and to express that in marriage. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'll read it in the New Living Translation. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. And the wife should fulfill her husband's sexual needs. Now, the wife gives authority over her body to her husband. Remember, Paul's writing this because there's a problem. He said, Pastor Mark, you shouldn't have this kind of stuff in church. Hello, he's writing to a church. By the way, if there's any place that we need to learn how to do sexuality right, it's in the church. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to the wife. Now, watch this. Here's what Paul writes. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations, of intercourse, unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. That simply means, and it doesn't mean this, you know, every once in a while in our marriages, you know how it all goes. The wife says, you know, I have a little headache tonight. Okay, that's fine. But you can't say to your husband, I'm going on a fast spiritually in prayer for the next four months. I'll see you when I get done. It's biblical. No, it isn't biblical. It's craziness. You say, well, Pastor Mark, why would he write this? Do you realize how many people we counsel that are Christians? They practice getting together for intercourse. Three months, six months twice a year. That is not biblical. That will never work. And Paul is so explicit and tells it why. Look at the last part of the verse. Look at the last part of the verse. 
Afterward, you should come together so that who? Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Where do you think pornography came from? Where do you think going to Vegas and going to places where there's strip club? Where do you think all that came from? Not just from this, but this is one of the things that happens. If sexuality isn't kept to the home and done and practiced regular, Satan tempts outside the marriage because our desire, that passion that God gives us, that drives sexuality, is very powerful. So understand, when a husband and a wife are one, they have the freedom to enjoy each other's body. Now, Make sure you understand what I'm going to say next. God says section marriage should be frequent. But he also says this. It should never be abused. It should never be withheld or used as a weapon to get your way. That will lead to disaster. See, we're to love our spouse, submit to them, and be intimate with them and enjoy God's gift of sex. See, the Bible is so crystal clear. Remember, nobody's perfect. He's after progress. So if I've hit on one, why do couples do that? They don't make love for three weeks, five weeks, eight weeks. Why? Well, we're so busy, kids, all kind of stuff. Uh, no, that's just an excuse. And the enemy will use that. Here's the next thing I want you to write this morning. You need to understand. This is biblical. God expects every husband and wife to make love on a regular basis. That's a strong marriage. That's a marriage that has balance. That's a marriage that's going to be healthy. Now, I am not, don't email me, I'm not going to define for you what regular is. For me, it's every night. For you, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not stupid enough. My wife is not in this service. You shut up. (laughs) You know I'm joking. (laughs) But a lot of people like to read figures. Oh, 2.2 times. What are you, crazy? Just enjoy it, okay? I can't define that for you. But it's good to practice making what God made us to do. Now, how many of you know God made men and women very different? Not only sexually, been a million parts. And when you got married, you married somebody that's very different from you. Those differences were celebrated before you got married. <laughs> Afterward, you go like, what is that? You leave your clothes everywhere. What's wrong with you? you know, it's, it's so we got, Why did God do that? Well, number one, he wanted to laugh. <laughs> but number two, he did it for this reason. God made us so different in so many ways. A neat Nick, somebody that's always on time, 20 minutes early, you marry somebody that's going to be 10 minutes late. <laughs> so God did it to stimulate our spiritual growth in the area of patience. I'm serious. He knew we would be different, and he designed us to marry somebody like that. The place that we're very different is in our sexual drive, men and women. And I want to show you kind of what that looks like. A man's sexual drive in a marriage and a woman's. Here it is. I don't really need to say anything. When the wife says to the husband, well, I'd like to make love tonight. How difficult it is, man. Just switch the button. 
How about the next night? Switch the button. Now, husband says, honey, I like to make love tonight. Okay. And us guys have been trying to figure those dials out. I, I've been trying to figure those dials out for 49 years. I still can't get it, can't get it right. It's incredible. Now, why did God make them so complicated? So I'd have to learn to be patient. Can all you husbands say amen? Well, it's right. I'll go and say amen. amen. Okay, thanks. Now, look at me. Look at me. We need to learn to meet our, hus- our wives and husbands' sexual needs by being sensitive and loving. When you please your spouse sexually, no excuses, foolish excuses. When you please your wife sexually, you please God. Because you're doing what God designed you to do. Here's a diary of a newly married couple. And they're in their first home. They just came from their honeymoon. She says, it's fun to cook for Bob. Today I made an angel food cake. Now remember, she's newly married. The recipe said, beat 12 eggs separately. The neighbors were very nice. They brought me extra bowls. Remember, you ladies, when you learn to cook, come on, come on, that's not that bad. Tuesday, Bob wanted fruit salad for supper. The recipe said, serve without dressing. So I didn't dress. What a surprise when Bob walked in the door. Wednesday, a good day for rice. Recipe said wash thoroughly before steaming the rice. Seemed kind of silly for me, but I took a bath. I can't say that the rice was any better than ever before. Thursday morning, Bob woke up early out of bed, and he turned to his wife before he went to work, and he said, I'd like salad tonight. (laughs) Come on, guys. Let me hear an amen. Now, understand, those two, the commitment and the sexual intimacy, and the one we'll get to in a moment, the emotional intimacy, the friendship, they have to be in balance. All three of those need to be balanced for your marriage to be healthy. As you're dating somebody, those should be in that relationship. Again, you're not going to have physical sex, but you should look at that person and go, wow, man, I can't wait till we get married. If you look at that person and go like, I don't think I could ever make love, but you have the wrong person. <laughs> Move on. Move on. Okay. Number three. Here we go. Number three. Defeat selfishness and live as we. The Bible simply says this. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? Well, the answer to that is, of course, no. So when you look at your marriage, it reminds me very much... I could say it like this with the duct tape. How many remember the old race that you, in a potato sack, you put one leg in and your spouse would put the other leg in and you'd kind of run together like that. Well, that's what God wants to do in your marriage. Notice what it says. You defeat selfishness and you're a team. You just take one leg each and you're doing life together. It's a companionship. You can't, unless you've agreed to do it, agreeing to it means you have to talk about it. You have to get in there and allow that to happen. By definition, we're selfish. But God said, the husband and wife are no longer two. They're one. Oneness is simply an agreement with what God says in an agreement with my spouse. 
The key to oneness is a simple word called companionship, a team. Oneness is not uniformity. That'll never happen. The two spouses don't lose their identity and their personality, but we learn to walk together as a team. It's a, it's a lifetime of working and worshiping together, playing and loving together, growing and raising children together, building a home and solving problems together. Together is better. Ask yourself this morning, does it look like a team in your house? Or are you two people just off doing your own thing? Number four, live in forgiveness and grace. Live in forgiveness and grace. Ephesians 4.32 says it this way. Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You see, when you're in a marriage, as a human, you're going to get hurt. We hurt people. You can't run from being hurt. And often we hurt those we love the most in the marriage. So we have to learn to live in forgiveness. Paul says, don't let the sun go down. Can you imagine a 30-year-old in a marriage who just have a six-year-old son? And mom and dad don't sleep together. They don't speak for two weeks. What is the six-year-old son saying? Who's the child? It's the parents. Because of their stinking pride. How foolish. You see, hurt people hurt people. But forgiven people forgive people. You see, unforgiveness will affect us spiritually, physically, emotionally. Life is simply too short to live with unforgiveness. If that's you this morning, get it right. Go home and speak to your spouse or go to the beach tonight and talk and say, I'm sorry. You know, great words that come in a marriage is, I'm sorry, I was wrong, forgive me. Powerful words, humbling words for all of us. Sometime a well-known marriage counselor was asked, what's the number one advice you give to couples in marriage? I I listened to this, I watched this, I read the article because it just, it stimulated my mind. Without a pause, he replied, be kind and thoughtful to one another. Well, that's biblical. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, definition of love. Love is kind. It's thoughtful. What if in our homes that was really true? Would it make a difference? Someone has said this, the tongue has no bones, but it's strong enough to break a heart. This is where duct tape comes in again. I'm not putting this sucker against my mouth. I already told you that. How many of you wish you'd had some duct tape because the words you just said in your, to your spouse, you'd like to have had back? Could, could I see your hand? Every single one of them. But guess what? They don't come back. Today we learned about how marriage is like a potato sack race. Pastor Mark reminded us of the scriptures likening marriage to a three-strand rope. We learned that for our marriages to succeed, we must have a strong relationship with God, and from there, we need to build our relationships with our spouse. We were also reminded that if we're not married, we shouldn't be having sex. If we are, we need to confess and repent. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. 
Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. On the next installment of this message, Pastor Mark will be reminding us of how marriage is like duct tape and what kind of damage happens when we pull away from our spouse. Pastor Mark will be reminding us that God created marriage and knows how best they function. If we allow the Holy Spirit to govern our lives, we will see a better marriage than we ever thought was possible. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Everyday Life of Jesus. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.